You're looking at St. Andrew's Cathedral. It took 160 years to build that building, starting in the far end and moving this direction. It was the largest building in all of Europe and uh, all of Britain until the Victorian ages. Um, I lived across the street from that. So this is a very precious site for me. My children have played there. I spent about three years in Scotland and mostly in St. Andrews there. So when we come to the St. Andrews Sunday, it's a precious time for me. I hope it has become a precious time for you as well, not only because we use it as an opportunity to remember our Scottish heritage, a heritage that was bought at the price of the blood of the people that were willing to stand for what they believed to be true. Um, It's precious in that sense. It's also precious in that it's our opportunity to remember the people who are part of our legacy, our past, those who who have laid down their lives before us in order that we might worship here, that there might be such a thing as a Chapel Hill Presbyterian Church. So we have much to be grateful for, and that's what this day is about. If you are visiting with us, you might be a little surprised. This isn't ordinarily what we have, but it is a very precious and important time to us. And for those of you who are bedecked in tartan today, I uh, applaud you. You look hideous and wonderful to me. I uh, love ribeye steak. I think it is the greatest slice of meat to ever vex a vegetarian that God created. Uh, And when I eat ribeye, which I don't do often enough, but when I do, I enjoy it bite by bite. It's not the sort of meal that I want to wolf down. I want to enjoy every cholesterol-inducing, juicy, fat-filled bite of that luscious piece of meat. Um... There's a sense in which that's how we've been approaching the Lord's Prayer these last couple of months. We, uh, instead of wolfing it down as we ordinarily do, in this season of prayer, we've decided to slow down and to savor every morsel, every word, every phrase. I hope that that's been your experience. One man in my life group said, you know, since we've been studying uh, the Lord's Prayer in greater detail, I find that every time we pray it, I want to cry out, slow down, slow down because I want to reflect on those words that have become more meaningful to me. I hope they have for you, and I hope that you are continuing to grow in your own prayer life, as I certainly have been in mine. Today, though, on this St. Andrew's Sunday, we are going to take a hiatus from the Lord's Prayer, only a one-week hiatus. And this morning, I want to talk about prayer partners. Prayer partners. How many of you have ever had a prayer partner, someone that you knew prayed fervently and faithfully for you? Raise your hand. Isn't that a great gift, to have someone that you know prays with and for you? Um, one of my, mo- my faithful prayer partners is my mom. When we were sorting through the mementos from the sale of our home, uh, I plowed through literally boxes of letters that my mom sent to me when I was living in St. Andrews University over the two years that I was there. Often she would send as many, it was several letters a week. Uh, it, it, it was an incredible trove of faithfulness to read through those letters. And again and again, I would hear her writing the same things to me uh, about how she was praying for me and the ways in which she was praying for me. So to this day, my mom is my faithful prayer partner. And it's hard to imagine anyone who is more diligent, more faithful, or frankly, more connected to God than my mother. Um, but in fact, there is someone. There is someone who is a more faithful prayer partner still. Uh, I have him, and I bet you do too, and you didn't even realize it. So this morning in this season of prayer, I thought we would take 
a look at a very short passage that teaches something amazing. And I wonder if you had ever seen it before. It comes in Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 8, one of the most majestic of chapters in all of Scripture. Romans chapter 8. I want to look at just two verses there, verse 26 and 27. Listen to the word of the Lord. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. This is the word of the Lord. So who is our most faithful of prayer partners? The Holy Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity, the Spirit of Jesus who lives inside of us. Paul tells us this amazing truth, that the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Isn't this astounding? When our son Cooper was a little guy, he didn't talk. He went through all of preschool and never said a word to his teacher. He had a condition that caused him to be so sensitive to sensory input that he would become overwhelmed. And so touch and texture and sound, all of it was too much. The only thing that this little guy could control then was his own speech. And so he did. He shut down. He would not speak. For years, he barely said a thing. And frankly, when he was home, he didn't need to because he had a big sister named Rachel. (laughs) Rachel could read Cooper. She knew what he wanted. She knew what he was trying to say. And, And sometime before he even had a chance to try to say it, Rachel would say it for him. She was his interpreter. She was his spokesperson. And that is the beautiful image that this text gives to us today. When we are at a point of weakness, when we are speechless before the Lord, and every one of us has been there, and we don't even know how to begin in prayer, we discover that we have a divine prayer partner, the very Spirit of God within us. The one who lives in us and understands our hearts and our longings and our pain and our inadequacy. Also, and this is what's wonderful, understands the heart of the Father and his longings for us. And that spirit becomes our divine spokesperson, praying on our behalf, speaking the words to God that we would pray if we could find them. Did you know that? We usually assume that prayer is something we have to do. That's why Jesus taught us to pray, after all, so that we could know how we ought to pray. And of course that's true. But here we discover that even in those moments when we are stuck, when we are speechless, when we are mute before God, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. And he says, "Um, Father, Abba, what Mark is trying to say, what Mark meant to say, what Mark can't say but wants to, is this. Imagine that. God the Spirit prays for us, intercedes on our behalf with God the Father. Isn't that amazing? And he does so with groanings too deep for words. He taps into the deepest things in our soul, 
things we don't even know how to touch. But he reveals them and he expresses them perfectly for us. I shared this with my life group, this text, and one of the men said it was like a light bulb went off for him. He said, I never saw this passage before, but it gives me such great comfort. There are times when a prayer request is so important, so meaningful, so profound, I don't even know where to begin. Have you ever had that kind of a prayer need? And the good news is, the Holy Spirit does. By the way, the Holy Spirit is not our only prayer partner. If you were to drop down to verse 34, if you have your Bibles open, Romans 8, 34, we read these incredible words. Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, look at this, who indeed is interceding for us. So within a few short words, we discovered that not only is the Holy Spirit within us praying for us, Jesus is standing next to the Father's throne, and he's interceding on our behalf as well. He's leaning over to the Father, and he's, he's whispering, see, that's Mark. He belongs to me. He's precious to me. He's my little brother. Love him the way you love me. The Son and the Spirit praying for me. And for you. Did you know that? In a moment, I'm going to read 10 names of Chapel Hill Saints who died last year, members of this church. I buried every one of them. It isn't always the case, but this year, every single one. And I walked with some of them in their last hours. And I walked with their families in their grief and in their weakness and loss. What comfort is it to realize that even in those moments of pain and suffering, when they were absolutely mute before the Lord, unable to give word to our grief, the Holy Spirit, the gracious Holy Spirit says, that's all right. Be still. I've got this. I'll carry you. Let me pray for you. So let us remember and celebrate the legacy of faith past as we watch a scroll of names of every Chapel Hill member who has gone on ahead of us to be with the Lord, to join that great cloud of witnesses. When your loved one's name appears on the screen, I invite you to stand in tribute and remain standing. And will all of you join in amazement as we remember that God the Son and God the Spirit prayed these saints right into the eternal presence of God the Father, to whose name be glory forever and ever. Amen.